Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SCP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more, and we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Product. I'm your host, Zach Darnell, and joining me as my co-host for this show is Noel Webster Milam. Did I say that right? You sure did. Bam. I'm good. Well, okay. I had some practice. Let's be honest. How are you, Noel? I'm doing pretty good today. How are you, Zach? I'm doing well. Noel, what do you do at SCP? I am the director of UX at SCP, so I'm splitting my time between making sure that we're uh, keeping an eye on just health within the organization when it comes to UX practices and keeping current and relevant and also looking at new opportunities coming into the door, making sure that we're looking from that lens and making sure that we get a good uh, cross-functional team supporting solving our problems for our clients. And I also practice UX on our team so that I don't get old and crusty and propose something that's not relevant. <laughs> that's probably a, a good attribute of that role. I love that. So your experience and and role and uh, just way of thinking is perfectly relevant for our conversation today. We sat down with Jackie and Casey. Jackie Clark is the design leader. I think her title is principal product designer at Lessonly. And then Casey Cumbo is one of the engineering managers at Lessonly, and they've both been there working together for, you know, a little over a year, year and a half. And I think Casey's actually been there coming up on three years. So it was wonderful to talk to them about our topic of the day, which is kind of integrating the uh, design practice into an existing technology company and kind of their story and their journey through that. So... Thank you again for joining me for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I sure had fun talking to them. They were a fantastic duo. I have to say it was a very fun conversation. Uh, they definitely have have a very fun dynamic with each other. And uh, just hearing about the last you know, 15 months-ish, especially thinking about the last six months and what we've you know, been dealing with here in 2020 uh, and the strides that they've been able to make uh, at Lessonly is just kind of a cool story. What was maybe one thing that you found kind of laced into that conversation that you thought was really interesting? Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, I saw them uh, talk about the the journey of organizationally what was going on before they brought in Jackie and saying that they went from kind of like a, everything about design was visual um, and then everything kind of went into a transaction sort of state. And then then they started to get a little um, like maybe we should be a little more focused on this and kind of went strategic, which is um, what we usually see um, with most organizations in their design maturity journey. And I hate to say design maturity because this is kind of like a um, a whole organization maturity into accepting design into its problem solving space. So if you look at the Nielsen Norman Group or um, Envision did a lot of um, studies about design maturity and Jared Spool has a a whole thing about design maturity, you kind of go from this 
there's nothing to like, there's one person and there's a team and they're overloaded, but they're like, it's like putting out fires. They're never like really looking at something from a holistic point of view. And then you kind of get embedded um, into a team as a designer. And then you get to the point where the whole company is thinking about solving problems with design. It's not really about design anymore. And it's not like, and that's them. It's just, just how you do it. And that's where everybody's kind of striving to be. And that was um, pretty clear that they were on a track to get to that point. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, that's such a good point. And I feel like there's a lot in that, that we dove into with them. Tactically, I loved hearing about uh, practices like dual track agile, something that we definitely talk a lot about at SEP, These, uh, this idea of cross-functional teams that they call squads, you know, the engineering team feeling more confident that they're building the right thing first. And this idea that it's okay to invalidate assumptions. It's just as important to do that as it is to validate assumptions and, and having a better grasp on uh, how their customers are using a product after it's been released rather than kind of releasing and forgetting. We, we talk about and read about, uh, but to actually hear from a company and a group of people that have embraced the thinking, the practices, the philosophies, the disciplines to kind of do it better and to feel better about it. Uh, that was just a very encouraging story. And I, I, I'm excited to hear, you know, in 12 months when we have a follow-up, kind of how it's going from here. Zach, that's such a good point. In the past, when I've been on project teams and we've had um, all of the different like cross-functional minds kind of coming together to solve a problem, we just got so much more out of um, bringing that whole person um, to the conversation for all the things that they've learned and try to solve the problem together with that those mindsets. And we just get much further faster um, because of all that we're inviting into that like inclusionary sort of problem-solving space. That's such a good point. And, you know, something you and I have talked about in the past, it's this idea that this isn't necessarily a new thing, right? These, this thinking, these uh, techniques, these practices have been around for quite a while. It's maybe taken, uh, you know, some industries a little bit longer to catch up. I don't know. Would you think, would you say that that's true? It's so spotty. It's hard, you know, like to make a general sweeping statement feels crunchy to me, uh, but I would say that there are some folks that are out there trying to learn all of the newest things and apply them on their projects every day and are probably meeting some sort of obstacle because like there isn't just, not, and everybody's tracking with them. And that's that's the point of all of this is bringing everybody along into this journey. Um, so I'd encourage everyone, uh, no matter where you are in that maturity journey, just to like make sure that you're not running out so far in front of everyone else that you're taking the steps together. Because there's a whole there's a whole slew of organizational and just like position issues that may occur if you just kind of try to be so far out in front of everything without bringing everyone else along into the journey. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, without further ado, I think uh, Jackie and Casey talking about you know their story together. Uh, we appreciate them sharing uh, kind of their journey with us, and uh, we hope all of you find some wisdom in this. So. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Product. Today, we're joined by Jackie Clark and Casey Cumbo, both with Lessonly. We were actually chatting before the show, and we all thought it would be fun if Jackie and Casey 
introduce each other for the intro. So Jackie, would you like to kick us off? Yeah. Hi. So uh, my name's Jackie and I love to brag on Casey. Casey's a, a manager of engineering at Lessonly and she's one of my favorite people. I'm so excited she's joining us today for the chat. Uh, she is a former educator. She is a Tech 25 standout star for 2020. She's pretty much a rock star. And she handles a, a lot of tasks around management of engineering at Lessonly. Awesome. That's a, that's a wonderful uh, intro there for you, Casey. I'm blushing. If you could see me, that was so nice. Jackie, <laughs> thank you. Jackie is our uh, principal product designer. She came on board a little over a year ago. And instead of just like saying, hey, we're doing th these things, uh, she took the time to get to know folks on a human level and understand the problems from their perspective before working on solutions. Uh, she's grown the design team from her and one other person to her and five people, and we're also continuing to grow. She also has like time on the calendar each week for, for designers to work on professional development and share what they've learned, which is just so many ta-da emojis and party poppers. Because as a manager, that's amazing to be so intentional about that. She puts learners first, provides the best user experience. She's great at what she does. Uh, also on the side, she offers to like provide feedback on people's resumes to help them uh, find new jobs, which is freaking awesome. And she sews and makes masks. Thank you so much for that intro. So, all right, we're talking about kind of the last couple, three years, maybe in Lesson Lee's history. And, you know, thematically, it's this idea of bringing design into an existing product engineering firm and kind of talking about that journey. And I know that, you know, each of you carry different tenures of Lesson Lee and, and you've got some stories even prior to when you guys were there. So I'm, I'm really excited to dive into that. So kind of the first thing that I'm, I'm wondering about, you know, at some point in Lesson Lee's journey, there was a, a recognition that design was important and that we need to bring the, the practice and discipline of design into the company. I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about what maybe led up to that decision and kind of what influenced that for the company? In the early days of Lesson Lee, Max, our founder and CEO, along with Wasim, one of our, our first kind of front-end focused engineers, uh, handled most of the design. The designs that they uh, didn't have a good grasp on, we outsourced. We used some agencies to help us uh, get up and running. And that was mainly because of, of the size of, of where we were and our capacity. And it, it just made more sense to, to kind of lean on different agencies to, to help us build great designs um, and kind of move the product forward. That reached a threshold, though, when uh, we wanted to be able to iterate more quickly and work on several different areas of the application at once. And we kind of just reached a threshold and it made more sense to bring it in-house for, I think that was the primary reason and to allow kind of Wasim to focus more on engineering and, and Max to do the things CEOs do. Yeah, I think like when we look, we we talked to some some folks for historical reference, and because I've I've only been at Lessonly for a little over a year um, as the principal product designer, and I think you know they were very scrappy early stage, which I think a lot of folks are. Max, our CEO, I think just really likes design. 
he, I think in another life, he probably would be a designer. He has pretty good instincts. And then worked with some agencies. I actually think maybe everyone in Indianapolis has probably had a hand in lesson late at some point, like Studio Science <laughs> helped, Innovate Map helped, a bunch of contractors here and there, uh, which I think is kind of lovely. And then over time, like Casey had mentioned, you know, they went from being more like startup, like sort of panic, like, okay, what are we going to build next? What are we going to build next? And then they started, I think, doing more strategic work. Okay, like we're going to build this feature next. This is a big feature. And we're going to work with a studio science or an innovate map to build that feature. And then as the product team grew, changed, we actually changed to from more of a sort of loosey-goosey format to a squad-based format once we changed leadership. And that squad-based format has one of every type of person, designer, QA, product manager. Like a cross-functional team? Yeah. And it then we kind of reached scale. So where it became necessary to work on all of the functionality at one time to keep it moving forward rather than project by project, which I think is a pretty natural progression for most product teams. And so it became necessary to hire in the first full-time designer who's truly design and um, rather than front end. And then they hired in a second one. And then I was hired in to kind of build out the full practice after we started to really do really well, scale, and start looking at large-scale squads. Okay. I want to ask about that here in a second because, you know, the the... I'm sure it's been a, a great journey, but I'm sure it's not without its its challenges at the same time. You know, just a level set, what was the team size structure like maybe just before bringing on those first couple of designers? You know, roughly how many engineers, how many different teams? That's a great question. So I joined three years ago as engineer number maybe eight or so. And the product and engineering team was about 10 of us. At that point in time, we had one designer. And so uh, I believe he was probably brought on, I think he was here for about a year or so before I joined. So a team of of 10-ish had had one designer at that point. That's all the information I have though. No, no, that's fair. I, and I think it's maybe what's maybe more important is the is the way in which design has changed. So less about like headcount and more about the type of work that's being done. You know, I've been at Lessonly for about a year and change. There's still a big design backlog. I can't even imagine what that first designer felt like coming in and being like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. Um, because, you know, engineering kind of had a, a had a head start on them for a long time. And so I think for the first, if I can speak for somebody who I actually don't know very well, uh, based on my understanding is they they were playing a lot of catch up, a lot of like design the screen, design the screen, design the screen, make this screen a little bit better than an agency gave us and something has changed and you need to change it. It was like, I think a little bit more like what I call like field medic mode, where you're just like trying to sew up stuff as fast as you can before it ships and less about uh, the kind of product design I like to do, which is looking at like, what is our opportunity for like problems to solve for our customers? Um, what's the value to them? Are, how are we like proving out the value before we invest a lot of time and money and just on the discovery process and then go build it? So, so ha- be a partner in, in the product rather than just the person who makes it pretty before it goes out to customers. Right. It, it, you know, maybe to put it simply, it sounds very tactical versus strategic, very transactional service ticket versus integrated, you know, part of the team. Yeah. And this is to say, like, I think if I was the only 
designer with 10 or 11 engineers, I do the exact same thing. There's literally no other option. But now that the now that the business had kind of decided to invest in it as a true discipline, you have the opportunity to be more strategic. Do you think um, one of the things I was thinking about as I was kind of preparing for the show was were there identifiers or elements of Lessonly's products that made it obvious that, man, we could really use a more strategic view of design as part of our teams, as part of our company? Were there things that were manifesting to users and customers that were like, ah, man, we could have done that better? I think it's a two things. We're basically a learning management system. That is ultimately what our functionality is primarily. And the learning management system space is is very crowded. There are lots of types of learning management systems for schools, for professional folks, for different types of things. And I think as they kind of really nailed down that core LMS functionality um, in the first uh, four and change years, then they started looking like, where should we go next? That's a lot harder. It's a lot, it's relatively easy to get great at the thing you're already good at. It's a lot harder to figure out where your business goes next. How do you continue to push it? What do our customers want? Where's the value prop? What makes sense for the direction of our business? And so it feels like since I have started, it's been our, our discussion has really, I haven't really worked on, and my team hasn't really worked on the, the core LMS functionality hardly at all. It's really been about how do we continue to innovate for our customers? How do we continue to kind of push and solve problems that they maybe even don't know how to articulate that they have, but that's part of our job as like detectives, right? So I think it was less about not valuing in that at the beginning. It was just more like they kind of knew what their core prop, what their core value prop was. And now we're continuing to push that in a really exciting way. That's really like a fantastic like evolution that's happened that you've described from like the the point of everything being very visual based and if I'm gonna be blunt, it's like putting out fires. <laughs> like so this up like the the triage sort of mentality. Casey, I'm really curious as um, design has changed across Lessonly, how has engineering responded to the way that you are holistically thinking about solving problems as a cross-functional team? I think the fact that we have a whole design discipline and Jackie has introduced a lot of positive change around user testing and verifying our assumptions and let's build the right thing versus the thing that we think our customers want and will be helpful for them. It's increased our confidence in what engineers are working on are the most valuable things and they're going to provide just customers with, with everything they didn't even know they wanted which is really exciting. I think uh, another big advantage is just the consistency piece that we have with someone like Jackie helping us kind of grow the whole discipline and uh, thinking about design systems and how do we be more consistent and how do we how do we provide the best user experience possible? It's fantastic. There's also a lot of uh, fun things going on with how do we collaborate better? engineers and design like how do we work together how do we pair how do we share before we're ready and get feedback on our implementation of something so that's been really really exciting yeah and we are by no means experts are perfect at it either this is we are still we are still a work in progress i think it's it was when i started i was kind of focused on like building out like building out a team hiring design starting user research user research really wasn't a thing we did and i felt like it was really important and as part of that, we implemented a discovery process, which some folks might know as dual track agile. So discovery and delivery. And that meant we actually pulled engineering forward 
into the process rather than just having them what I would call downstream. And we would we would pull some some engineers, not everybody. And that was okay. There were some bumps. Uh, and in that, just like this is new, it's hard. It's a new process. And now I feel like we worked out some of those bumps. We're we're feeling better. And this last quarter, Casey and um, our other engineering manager and the other leaders in engineering have been great partners with design because now we're trying to pull design. It's not really forward. It's it's not backward. We're trying to pull them into the delivery process, whatever direction that is, so that they are truly partners, not just on the front piece, not just handing over mockups, but actually starting to build a more true conversation around execution. We actually have a squad right now who it's on the smaller side, just as an experiment. And um, the designer is not building out full mockups. The designer and the front end engineer are pairing and it's going so fast and so quick. And I'm we're very excited. I'm very excited about it. When you break down that wall and you put everybody in the room together, it's amazing how quick you can move. Yeah. And I that's really cool. think that's probably how squads were always meant to be, but we just never, for whatever reason, um, it just kind of never gelled until with this new squad. Cause I think, cause they started fresh, maybe, maybe that helped, but we're so, we're definitely um, doing some exciting things that are still in progress, but we'll, we'll see how we can continue to improve. That's fantastic to hear that um, it's getting such headway within the, the organization, um, dual track and pairing and mobbing and all those things that you do together uh, to like What's actually mobbing? take something. Oh, mobbing is uh, a whole slew of people around an, an experience that's being built, uh, whether it's prototyping or coding, and everyone contributes um, to that thing, and somebody's at the wheel, and then you switch in and out. Oh. Um, who's got? Who's kind of got the reins? That's cool. But it's a whole team experience. It sounds like that's what you're doing anyway. So, kind of. Uh, like it's not labeled right. I'm curious with the the leading indicator that this is going well, where might you use that as influence for how design and engineering pair together going forward and how you build product? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. I think, you know, one thing that we love as a, as a company is speed because we are, we're still relatively small, less than least about 180 ish people. We're not a big company. And so we would love to be able to ship faster, create faster, deliver value faster to customers. And I think it can be, uh, it takes, it takes the right sort of pairing, the right, the right designer and engineer combo. Um, both of the, the two folks that we mentioned, like kind of working a little loose, not everyone kind of loves that functionality. And I think we do. One thing I think is really interesting about Lessonly um, and the squad setup is there's a lot of empowerment of squads. So we have, I think, what, gosh, Casey, like six-ish squads. And for for us at the, like, not in a squad, at sort of like the management level, uh, it's a little bananas because each squad works a little differently, but they work differently in a way that works for them which is really empowering and really exciting. So I think what we'll see is probably it happens squad by squad as they kind of work out the kinks amongst themselves and figure out what works for them. And honestly, just truly see how much easier, more fun, more collaborative it is. Um, We try not to do too much top down so that it feels like they're making the best decision for them. Every once in a while, we have to do some stuff top down. But I hope that we'll see adoption that way as as it sort of like they see what the benefits are. Yeah. I'd also add there, I think it's it's interesting that our kind of experiment with the pairing is going just super well, right? Better than we ever could have hoped for. And 
It's a really, really great sign. Uh, I think their personalities, like you said, Jackie, those two individuals like really like the high level of collaboration and they like kind of just going with the flow and moving really fast. I'd be interested to see if that works for that kind of front end engineer designer combo on other squads, or if we need to kind of do some experimentation on what, what it could look like and what, what feels right for different people. So I think I'm really hopeful and excited that we can keep moving things forward and want to see what, what it could look like. But just I've realized um, and learned just different squads operate differently and we have that autonomy, which is very positive that people can figure out what works for them. And it could look different across squads. But for folks like Jackie or myself, who we, we kind of bop around and hang out on different squads, it's sometimes hard to get up to speed because things are people are doing things differently, which isn't a bad thing. But it's hard to kind of keep a pulse on everything if people are operating at in very different ways. So advantages and some disadvantages. <laughs> so we're we're making progress. So I kind of want to go a little bit back in time. So you, Jackie, you started about a year and some change, year and a half-ish ago. Yeah. Do you remember kind of walking in day one and thinking through, okay, here's what I need to get done in my first, let's just say 30, 60, 90. What were the, what were the, some of the first challenges you felt like you had to, had to tackle and what was that like? I did actually attempt to read the book in the first 90 days. Yes. I think I got through the first two weeks and then was like, and, and put it by the wayside. Um, but it is a good book if anybody goes to a new job. I uh, I think this is, it's kind of an interesting story for me. It's not, I don't think what I've done at other places. I didn't have this tactic that I'm going to talk about at other places. It just kind of happened this way. Sure. Uh, so I had, I had already booked a vacation before going to Lessonly. So I knew I was going to work there for two weeks and then go on basically a week of vacation. I highly recommend. That's a great idea. You can swing it. And what ended up happening is I worked there for two weeks and I was going to be out for a week and I knew everything would leave my head. Everything I just learned was going to just going to fly out of my head on vacation. And so I spent the first two weeks setting up one-on-one -on -one conversations with as many people as I could. QA, engineering, design, uh, some folks outside of product in customer support and things like that. And I asked them to map out the design process, if there was one, and where they felt like it, things were going well or where they had some problems. And kind of doing that fact-finding mission for the first two weeks, I learned that design, a design process was something that they'd struggled with. It wasn't, there really wasn't a formalized one. And that meant that, you know, Lessonly is, we have, Lessonly has one product. We are the one product. We don't really have the luxury of multiple products, which means everyone in the company cares a whole lot about that one product. And we were getting lots of comments kind of here and there, everyone trying to be helpful, but they weren't always come, the comments weren't always coming back in at the right time. And we were being kind of reactive as a product team to, to that feedback and to customers. And so I kind of took all this information, digested it, and then met with my the head of product before I left on vacation. And I made a mind map of every all of the, the things I felt like I was hearing and that I felt like we needed to be better at. And I will say that like in my interview, my interview was like 75% design system. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We can do design system. No big, no big deal. But as I was listening to the team and listening to kind of observing their interactions with, with each other, it felt like that wasn't the most urgent need. Um, it was on the design map. It was on the, like making the product look great, creating a design system. But on the map was also things like 
making database decisions and using user testing to like kind of inform our product strategy and, you know, creating some sort of formalized design process. So everyone knows where everything's at. There's no surprises for people in the company, for people in product, et cetera, doing a better job for design of communicating kind of what we were thinking. And so, uh, and I, uh, the smartest thing I've ever done to date and I'm giving this all of you for free is um, I made, <laughs> I made this mind map and I handed it to him and I said, I need you to star the three most important things that we're going to do for the first six months or three months or whatever. I, you know this, you know your desires, you know your needs better than I do. And he did not star the design system. <laughs> he starred user testing and design process and, and I think one other thing as well. And so, um, and that to me really helped communicate expectations because I think if I hadn't done that, I would have assumed, okay, well, I'm seeing these other problems, but I guess I'll just do the design system because that's what we talked about in the interview. And I think it was a nice way to help kind of communicate expectations. So I'd recommend that exercise, honestly, to anybody when they start any job, because ultimately you're being hired in as a brain, right? You're not being hired in as just a set of hands. And so I think that helped kind of say like, here's my perspective. What do you think? And now, now a year later, we're kind of like just getting to the design system because all of those other pieces in the map have kind of worked themselves out and we're doing nicely on them. Wow. Yeah. Real quick. I mean, as as a, a team member um, and, and Jackie kind of joining us and, and taking that approach was so reassuring. And I'm trying to think of all the, the words oh, I could okay. use here, but like <laughs> just so nice. I mean, I mean, she took everyone's perspective into consideration. She got to know folks like it was it wasn't someone coming in saying like, here's what we're doing. You're doing everything wrong. It was like, let me hear your concerns and understand where you're coming from and figure out where we're at. So, so she has more information on, on where we should go next. Yeah. Everyone should do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm by no means a, a, an expert in this space, but it kind of sounds like you, you did some user research on your <laughs> coworkers. Sure. Right. It's not that big. It's just like <laughs> eating your awesome. own dog food, right? Like there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing secret about it. It's just the process. I love it. Oh man, I'm going to take that advice. Although I'm never starting a new job. I'm never leaving right. SAP. So I, mean, I won't have an opportunity would. to. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, I love, I love the idea of, okay, I hear what you're saying. However, you know, here, here's some, here's some information that you, you may not necessarily be aware of, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm out for vacation. Love <laughs> You had that naturally built in. When I get back, let me, let me know what you want to work on. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. And for me, I, I imagine it would look different for every person in every organization and every type of job. But for me, I was looking at what's the value to the business. The value to the business is building the right thing for our customers. Design systems are awesome. They have great return on investments. But I would say the return on investment for for creating a design system on a product that I use the word legacy really lovingly. Um, it's There are parts that are, you it's know, been around for a little while. Further seven years, which in web terms is a long time. And while that is for sure valuable, and we're doing that work right now, it's to me, it wasn't the, the most urgent need. It was creating functional value for customers first, and then creating operational value, which is, I think, valuable, but less so for the product team. That's really cool. There are so many times I feel like I have conversations with designers or even um, just like overall team members where it's like I, you, you, a, a team is a system. <laughs> it like literally has moving pieces within it. 
designers are and and engineers are very empowered by understanding those like unbeknownst like unconsciously what's going on um and taking a look and ex- um, using your own toolkit like you said eating your own dog food <laughs> um I love, the, I love the the term dog fooding um being able to like recognize and use your own practices and methods looking at yourself introspectively and then your team as an ecosystem and being able to apply that and look for the best opportunity um is is something that i think is just kind of running under the radar radar but is so foundational to the success of um especially how you've grown organizationally to getting to the point where you are if you had not taken that step you would have been creating some sort of like ginormous design system applied some, you know, quote unquote lipstick to the situation and still have the undercurrent issue of like usability issues or designing the wrong thing or not hitting whatever market with the right um, thing that they, like, like you said, Casey, they didn't know that they needed. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a good point and kind of an interesting segue. So, okay. Fast forward to now, I guess, how have you seen the product itself? be impacted by uh, this evolution and this this uh, integration of a design discipline at Lessonly? It's a good question. Casey, I'd be curious about your perspective as like not an outsider, but you're you're on a you're on a different part of the space than I am. Yeah, I think I mean it's definitely helped us increase our confidence that we're building the right thing right? Also started user testing for a thing and realized like, yeah, that's not right. So like, rather than like hoping for the best, diving in, spending months of, of time and effort delivering the, the feature, we've, we've said, hey, no, let's pause. Let's gather more information. Let's ask our questions. And maybe here's the problem we're trying to solve over here versus this, this other one. So it's definitely, definitely helped there. I mean, hugely, I mean, we weren't doing that at all before. So, so we were at like level zero and now we're, we're, I think we're doing a a fantastic job there, um, which has inspired confidence in kind of the delivery crews, um, engineers, product folks to be able to more confidently talk about the thing that we're building and know that we're building the right thing and, and what we're investing our time in is, uh, the most important thing. I think also increased confidence in just the user experience that we're paying attention to the right things. And we know our customers because we're, we're talking to them. We're talking to our users way more than we ever did before, uh, which is really fantastic and valuable for like 9,000 different reasons, obviously. I also love the, just the, the level of collaboration um, that we've seen recently. And we've had some road bumps, right? We've had you know, engineering, making a decision to reduce scope and removing some core thing that design felt very passionately about. And we didn't have a conversation, right? Like that's not not okay. And we've worked through some of those challenges and figured out how to avoid them and prevent them from happening in the future. So definitely have have our challenges, but there's just been so many great things. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Casey. I mean, even just the the two main nuggets there, feeling confident that you're building the right thing. I can't tell you how many times I've had teams come and ah, we're not really sure if this is it's it's de- demotivating in some ways to not have that feeling. So to have it is is almost like having jet fuel behind a team moving forward. That's 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 awesome. And in some cases invalidating an assumption is 
almost sometimes more important to your point of not (laughs) wasting time on something. So important. It's actually my favorite thing. Like, oh, we were wrong. We were so wrong. Let's kill it. (laughs) I probably say the words let's kill it more than is uh, appropriate for a workplace Um, because I really, I really like being open to broad possibilities, but then pivoting when it's, when it's not the right fit. Just to thank you, Casey, for that really lovely answer. I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) One thing to add there is I think we've gotten better at verifying and validating kind of our assumptions up front. But what we are now working on is validating the effectiveness and the usage of the thing we actually get out there, which we're we're very much so uh, working on improving. But um, up until recently, we would launch a big new thing and just like, let it go. Right. And like not really revisit it. And so in the spirit of kind of killing things, that sounds very bad. Sorry. Sunsetting. Uh, I think sunsetting is the word we like sunsetting. to use. Sunsetting. Yeah. We, you know, we're, we're working to do more of that um, to, to keep a better pulse on kind of what features are, are super valuable to customers. What's no one using? What can we get rid of? And that is something that we are, yeah, definitely need to improve, but we've, we've made a lot of progress recently. I think one other part of just like having more, having more fit, like designers on uh, around is for the most part, the other parts of our organization and for sure our customers, they're not technical people, right? So we can talk about, I mean, performance is critical performance, like, you know, site loading performance, uptime, backend architecture. Those are all incredibly critical. We don't exist without them. But as far as value delivered, there's nothing like we kind of joke, there's a feature that we launched recently. Uh, it's we launched a certifications feature. And we spent a lot of time talking about the confetti that goes along with that certification. And it's just a fun little JavaScript, I think, plugin or something like that. And it's nothing, it's nothing fancy, but it feels so good. Talking about like virtual confetti? Virtual confetti. I mean, we don't like mail it to your house or anything. It's just, it's just down okay. the screen. Uh, but like, they, um, I didn't they, know if you were sending glitter bombs to people. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> oh my God. That's a great idea. We should do that next. Like that, that is very tangible to customers and to our folks that like, oh, something is happening. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, you know, that's uh, something has changed in the UI. It's very obvious. There's obvious value, even if it's just kind of like a fun little thing. So I think the added value of, of additional design is, you know, there is, there is a high correlation with uh, perception of usability and um, how nice something is to look at and to use. Um, you may, may, maybe they're not always a direct correlation, but I think the more that we kind of put that polish in, it's not that our value prop as a company has changed. It's just that we're putting on a little bit of fresher clothes and we're kind of presenting ourselves in a way that feels modern. It feels like it's delivering on our powerfully simple training software promise. And I think that's really important. And and it's not just sort of a quote unquote coat of paint. It's really trying to communicate the value that we bring to our customers. Well said. I'm curious too, uh, Jackie, you and I have talked about this a little bit. So how, how has uh, this outwardly virally made its way across Lessonly as an organization. So how are people bringing content to the product team or um, shared knowledge across the company for all these different divisions that are around? I'm sure there's a wealth of knowledge um, given where you might seek feedback at certain points in time in the development process or even after something is launched, um, if you're monitoring or maintaining it or looking for an improvement. What are the channels that have created 
that were there and maybe you tapped into or that you have created to, in order to um, have those open communications at the organization? Yes. Great question. Before, before I started, I would say they were doing some things and uh, they had uh, customer service, I'm sorry, customer experience account managers on each of our squads, kind of as like weighing in of, of their perspective of, of a customer's uh, sort of wants and needs from I think, like a business perspective. And I thought that was great. And we still continue to do that to some extent. I think some squads have it, some, some don't. And we, I would say like our Slack channels are pretty open, meaning if you're really interested in what's happening on our learn squad, you can join the Slack channel and follow along or ask questions. Other than that, though, I do think there were some folks that like, because they had been at Lessonly a long time and had seen it grow, I think they felt more empowered to go ask questions and go poke uh, the bear a little bit um, and give feedback. There weren't, I don't think, I guess there's like a committee meeting for, for a, again, a handful of people. It, there wasn't really an open line of like, hey, we would like your feedback communication. I think there was maybe a Google form if you heard customer feedback. Um, or if you had an idea, you could send it to the product team. Uh, we're still doing that, but it's a little bit more formalized now. We go through, we use product board um, to kind of capture either from a customer or from you're hearing on a prospect call or you're hearing, you know, your own brain because you're smart and you use our product too. So I think those are, those are all great. And I think those are really handy uh, mechanisms. Oh, we also have our customer support feed go into that. And I think that's really helpful. The couple of things that we changed, number one, we're all in the same building now, or at least we were when we were in COVID. So we were actually in separate buildings, which it's hard to be in separate buildings. And so I think we were felt a little distance because of that naturally, because uh, Leslie had grown quite a bit and they needed more space. So we, the product team had moved to another building. And so once we kind of got all back in the same building, it felt a lot better. Felt like you could run into people and talk with them about the product and what you were making. And then one of the things that we started doing, uh, Casey was actually super helpful in, inst uh, in instrumenting this as well, was uh, every three weeks, we do three-week sprints. We call them something else, but they're three-week sprints, basically. And we would share out every three weeks uh, within the product team. And that's great, but I wanted the opportunity to get feedback from lots of people because there are lots of people have... They, they talk with customers or prospects all day long too, or they have four or five years of experience of being in Lessonly. So they're, they have a great perspective. So we actually opened up our end of sprint team share to the company. And we said, you know, we'll be in the, when we were in person, we'll be in the kitchen, which is our shared nice space in the building. We'll be in the kitchen, come swing by, we'll have a recording. And then we implemented a, a process that they wouldn't ask questions in the meeting because uh, that would just be chaos, <laughs> A, because we had a lot to share, and then B, and that's how you get derailed really quickly. And so we said, if you have feedback, fill out this form, and the form actually goes to a Slack channel, it says products, product weekly, weekly updates, then we actually have the discussion in front of the whole company about their questions or about their ideas or about what they love or about their, what they think is really risky and they have a lot of concerns about. So it becomes less of like a, it's not, it's no longer secret. We've kind of like taken the mask away and said, you know, anybody's welcome. We would love to have you. We're excited to have you. We think it's an honor for you to spend an hour of your time with us every three weeks. And you're, this is an important, we have one product. Everyone should be excited about what's coming. <laughs> you know? So I think that's worked really well for us for it to feel like an open discussion. Um, and then that's, I think, generated more organic discussion as a result of it, which I think is cool. That's really awesome. Like you're, you're inviting so many voices that may not necessarily like they may have an opinion or they may have a thought and those channels open. That's so amazing that you're 
inviting them all in and being so inclusive um, with the new organization. Yeah. And it can feel very scary for sure. I think that's one of the reasons that they, we had kind of like kept it separate for a while because it, it feels like you might have to act on all of those pieces of feedback. But in the end, I'd rather, even if we can't act on their feedback or if we can't address it, I'd rather know it rather than not, rather than keep it separate, um, both to create a culture of inclusive, inclusivity, but also just because I, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. I've only been here for a year. They, they talk with prospects 100% more than I do. I talk to no prospects. I only talk to customers who've usually been using us for a few years. So yeah, they all have great perspectives and we were lucky to have them when they join us. All right. I have like one, like cascading question into like, that's such an amazing story. You got where you are, like over like the past year, kudos to y'all for like the amazing growth and change that you've had happen at your organization. So knowing where you are right now, like what's the next big thing you're going to try going forward? And what might be your reason why? I do want to put a giant caveat that I have not yet mentioned that the reason we were able to do that amount of change, because you're right, it is a lot. It's a lot to pivot one thing that people were like, why does design matter? <laughs> or not why does design matter, but like you you're the people who make screens, right? That does not happen without a really amazing team. Like I was not I was expecting way more pushback than uh, than I got initially. And that I think is a result of both the customer-centered culture that Leslie has created as a, as a company. Um, like I was having account management and sales and customer experience be excited that we were having these conversations. I wouldn't expect they would care at all. And they were like banging down my door, which I think that was, I don't know how normal that is. I've never worked in a SaaS company before, but I just thought that was really fantastic. And then on the engineering and product management side, really like truly trust, like I, I felt like a very trusting relationship that it doesn't happen without that. And they had no reason to trust me. I was brand new, but they did anyway. And that like, that earned a lot of trust heart marbles, as Brene Brown would say for me, <laughs> that they were, they were excellent partners. So that cannot be understated enough that like it did not happen without their partnership for the future. I think um, there's a couple, there's a couple of things we have more, you know, we're kind of building out the product function in our organization, which is really exciting. So to kind of talk, harken back to that, the thing Casey had mentioned, which is being a little bit more buttoned up on our metrics and execution side and like really evaluating, are we actually succeeding? Because if not, should we keep doing this? Should we pivot? Then on the operational design side, you know, I mentioned we are getting a design system started. We are building out you know, we're sort of in the process of doing a little bit of hiring in the design side and really starting to truly like we are on like we have baby giraffe legs, you know, as far as our design system is concerned right now. It's it's very early, very wobbly, but we're we're getting there. And that I would love my my like oper on the operational design side, I would love a world in which we barely do wireframes and we do them almost maybe together, depending on the pairing. And then it's design and front-end engineering using a design system, using components or existing patterns to build it out really quickly together and kind of you have more of a conversation rather than a, it's my turn, then it's your turn, then it's my turn, then it's your turn. So I think that's why I'd like to see us get it, get to both from a culture perspective, a culture of collaboration, as well as I think it's faster and better uh, because it literally does not matter what your sketch file looks like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even a little bit. It's not real. It only matters what it looks like when you ship your code to your customers. So uh, I think that's what I'm really excited about on the operational side. You're speaking my language, girl. 
Yeah. Like emoji heart eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know if I have anything different to add. Um, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is what I mentioned earlier about measuring success after we, we release something, right? Like what does success look like from a feature standpoint, right? How do we know we introduce the concept of on-demand practice? What are those feedback loops, right? Like, are we intentionally gathering feedback from customers? Are we um, measuring how often X, Y, or Z is used, right? Like setting some goals, which we, we do for the most part now, but also following up on those goals a month out, three months out, um, so that we know if we do need to sunset something or if we need better enablement. Also, and in, I, I'd love to see us track even more uh, from the enablement side, right? Like how confusing is this thing? How many questions do customers need to ask to, to get something set up or something working? Because those are all things that, you know, we're working on and, and we're improving, but we, we definitely have a ways to go there. So really answering the question, kind of what does success look like from different pieces of the product? In addition to that increased collaboration, right? Like we've done so much there, right? And we are continuing to grow and improve. And I just want to see us continue, continue that. Agreed. I, we're from another operational pieces, we're starting to do benchmarking. Uh, benchmark test every, we do it every six months. Our product doesn't change significantly every quarter, but that's a really thing I'm really excited about that can better help inform that sort of strategy. But when we think about, you know, the thing that Casey is mentioning, the stuff that I mentioned, it's not just about, I think, working faster because it's fun or working collaboratively because it's fun. But the reason I'm really excited about it and the reason I'm really excited about the future is because I think we'll be able to deliver measurable value much faster to our customers. We want to ship them the best things we can think of to make their business successful. That's what's fun about working at Lessonly is you have a direct impact on hundreds of companies, right? And if we're able to make their lives a little bit better by making their thousands of learners' lives better, that's really exciting. We want to do that as fast as possible. Okay. This has been a really awesome story. Um, I want to mention, we, you know, we're six months into this pandemic in 2020. So, you know, as I think about the last year and some change, maybe uh, almost half of it has been now that we've been working from home and you talk about, you know, coming together in a single office and having to actually help the teams work more together. I would imagine it's been challenging over the last six months. So kudos to both of you and the, <laughs> and the rest of your teams, because that is impressive. And I really look forward to hearing about 2021, Yeah, you know, six to 12 months from now, we're going to have to have a follow-up conversation sure. to hear about we'll all retro. the cool things that you guys are doing soon. Yes. <laughs> Jackie and Casey, thank you so much for joining us and sharing a bit of your journey. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank this you. was so fun. It's it's always fun to get to, t to talk about things after you're done with them. That's, yes. that's that's the fun and easy part. So thank you for that, for that gift. Absolutely. We appreciate it. And we are definitely going to have a follow-up conversation next year. For sure. No pressure, but we'll try to deliver. 